Welcome. Come on in. Pull up a stool. And let me pour you a drink. And let's talk a little noir at the bar. Thanks for joining us today for another episode of Noir at the Bar, where you get to hear some of your favorite authors reading from their books and short stories. Now, this season, our guest readers are authors that are going to be attending the Left Coast Crime in Seattle, April 11th to 14th. So not only do you get to hear them on the show here, you can go visit them, meet them, and maybe get a book signed. There is commotion because Leslie Carson and I are enjoying a delicious umbrella drink down here at, the, at our end of the bar. And because she, she's going to be reading from Molten Death, which is an Orchid Isle mystery coming out um, in April of this year. And I've read the synopsis, and I'm really looking forward to hearing a part of this book. So take it over, Leslie. Well, thanks so much. Uh, it's great. Thank you for inviting me to read today with all these fabulous authors. It's terrific. So, yes, Molten Death is what I'm going to be reading from near the, near the beginning of it. And um, I'll give you just a bit of a background, which is that Valerie is the protagonist, and Valerie and her wife, Kristen, are on the big island of Hawaii, where I live half-time, and uh, on vacation. And they're staying with Kristen's surfer buddy, Isaac, who has agreed to take the two women out to hike out to see the uh, active lava flow. Isaac negotiated a series of boulders and pits along the route and pulled up next to a dark-colored pickup truck. About 50 feet ahead, the road came to an abrupt end, having been engulfed by a thick ooze of hardened black rock. Valerie climbed out of Isaac's Subaru and knelt to tighten the laces of her hiking boots. Straightening back up, her eyes took in the night sky, across which an astonishing number of stars were splashed, far more than she ever saw back home. Oh my God, there's the Milky Way! I told you it was worth getting up early, Isaac said, shouldering his day pack. Hey, Leon, let's get moving. Hele awaits. Kristen switched on her flashlight and started forward. But don't try to rush, Isaac added with a look backwards. It could be tricky walking over the lava. Got it. Locating Kristen and Isaac with the beam of her flashlight, Valerie followed them out across the rock. Isaac was right. It took some getting used to crossing a lava field in the dark. Valerie was glad he was leading the way, as he was able to pick out the easiest path over the uneven terrain. She was also glad she'd followed his advice to wear blue jeans rather than shorts, since it became clear after only a few steps that it would be easy to take a tumble and slash your knee on the sharp, glassy rock. They'd been walking for less than ten minutes, Valerie, whose legs were considerably shorter than those of her two tall companions, consistently pulling up the rear, when Isaac called out, I see it! Catching up to the others, she turned off her flashlight and gazed out where Isaac was pointing. In the distance was a distinct red glow. As her eyes adjusted to the dark, Valerie realized there were numerous red patches, forming a line stretching all the way up the hill. How far away is it? she asked. Not too far. It's closer than it looks, Isaac said. Got a jam so we can get there before sunrise. As if on cue, a pink tinge emerged on the horizon, stealing into the sky and giving definition to a line of puffy tradewind clouds. They hurried on. Just a few minutes later, they crested a small rise, and there it was a shape-shifting mass of orange and red creeping inch by inch downhill. A couple of people were already at the flow, their silhouettes drifting in and out of view as the steam and the smoke from burning vegetation came between them. It looked alive, like some slithering beast come up from the depths to crawl slowly towards the sea. Orange fingers flowed from the main body at all angles, taking on new forms and hues as they made their way down the slope. A fine filigree of black floated on the surface of the lava, 
where the viscous fluid quickly cooled in the ocean air. But just underneath, you could see the fiery magma, its edges a searing yellow-white where the fingers stretched till they burst, spilling forth their contents of molten rock. Whoa! Valerie stood there unmoving, unable to take her eyes from the sight. Isaac, however, was busy rummaging through his pack. He pulled out three small bananas and offered them around. Uh, thanks. Valerie managed to stop gawking long enough to take one from him. It's a sort of a tradition, he said as they peeled their fruit. I always eat a banana when I get to the floor and then toss the skin out and watch it burn. It's not disrespectful, Valerie asked. I mean, I read that folks sometimes leave bottles of gin as offerings to Pele, but banana peels? Isaac took a last bite and hurled the yellow skin onto a pool of lava that had broken out from the main flow. Everyone can use a little more potassium in their diet, he replied, even if you're a goddess. Valerie and Kristen followed suit. Valerie expected the peels to sink, but instead they simply sat there, floating on top of the red-black flow. After a few minutes, they finally caught fire, and then were quickly gone. Well, I'm going to hit uphill a bit and get some shots back this way before that amazing backdrop disappears, Isaac said, peering down to check the settings on his Nikon camera in the dim light. Valerie turned around and saw what he meant. A crescent moon hung low in the now purple sky, with a single planet burning brightly above. She could just make out the thin line of the ocean, edged in the foreground by jagged black rock. Kristen pulled her phone from her pocket and tagged along after Isaac, but Valerie stayed put. She wanted to simply sit down and watch the show. It was mesmerizing, the way the lava beast spread its limbs in its non-stop march downhill, and how it continually morphed into crazy shapes. A heart breaking slowly in two, a woman's face with long streaming hair, a winged dragon. The flow came nearer, and she felt the force of its heat, as if the doors to a massive oven had opened wide. Standing back up to step back, she wandered down flow, watching a small finger dribble into a crevice and quickly fill it in. Tiny ferns had sprung up in a few of the cracks nearby, resilient little plants, doomed though they were. Looking out toward the sea, Valerie saw that the sun was now above the horizon. The low-lying clouds had turned orange and gray, and the sky was a pale blue. She faced back uphill, but could see no sign of Kristen or Isaac. Nice! To be alone, with only the sound of the wind and the crackle of rock being blanketed by the newest land on the planet, she continued on, skirting the edge of the flow. Now that the sun was up, she could tell that there were two different kinds of cooled lava rock, a twisty, ropey-looking kind and a more pillowy, smooth variety. And she could see that while the older flows were a dull gray, the brand-new rock was a shiny black, sparkling in the sunlight. Her eye was caught by a color that didn't belong, a flash of fluorescent green, at the very edge of the flow. Curious, she walked over and saw that it was a shoe. No, more like a workman's boot with bright green laces. Now how could someone leave their boots here, she wondered. You'd never be able to hike back over the lava field without your shoes on. And then she got that queasy feeling you experience when there's a disconnect between what you expect to see and what's actually there, for the shoe had not been left behind after all. It was still on a foot but that was all that was visible because the rest of the body had been covered over by hot lava. That is uh, descriptive, enticing, a tasty morsel uh, for this book. Um, Can you tell that I'm a lava junkie? <laughs> you're a lot, which, which kind of leads to my question is, there is a, a level of importance in using Hawaii as the idea as your setting. So maybe you can give us, since the setting seems to be positive, they disappear. Uh, what was the level of importance for you for creating Hawaii as a setting for this book? Very important. I mean, I, uh, I have a previous series that's set in Santa Cruz, California, where I also live half-time. 
And I, but I've been coming to, Cal, uh, to Hawaii, oh, since the early 1990s and um, have started living here about 16 years ago, half time. And I just wanted to write, set a book in Hawaii for years. Uh, surprisingly, or maybe not surprisingly, it was kind of a hard sell getting it published for a while because people, I had people say, oh, we already have a book set in the tropics, you know, kind of thing. But thank goodness Severn House, when I, uh, pitched it to them, were very excited and said, absolutely, absolutely. So, yes, Hawaii is very, very dear to my heart. And in particular, I live on the big island where there are three active volcanoes. And um, one of the reasons that I ended up here is because I, the lava is, once you've seen a hot lava, it's it's kind of addicting. <laughs> yeah, I went to Hawaii, wanted to see lava and saw smoke. So that was a, it was a, a great time. Yeah, it happens. Yeah, it happens. Uh, but I'm, if, if, you, if you heard that part, that piece, and you read the synopsis, I run out and get this book when it comes out in April of this year. Excellent. Thank you very much. Thanks so much. Aloha. <laughs> this has been a production of the House of Mystery Radio Show. To find out more about our show, guests, or hosts, go to our website at houseofmysteryradio.com.